This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. And on today's episode, I have two very special guests that I'm really excited to just share their knowledge and perspective with. It is Lauren and Ryan from the Dope Shit My Therapist Says podcast. And yeah, they say some definite dope shit, okay? Um, these two ladies are both licensed therapists and they are uh, actually in two different time zones. One's on the East Coast and one's on the West Coast. So we were all across the map on this one, but I'm really glad to you know speak with Lauren and Ryan about their perspectives on mental health on working with clients with chronic conditions. And I even kind of give a little bit of my advice to them on helping those who are specifically diabetic. So I think this is a powerful conversation. Y'all know I love stuff dealing with mental health and spiritual health on top of our body health. And I feel like both Lauren and Ryan share some great tips and insights on how we can all give ourselves some space, uh, you know. So let's get into it with Lauren and Ryan from Dope Shit My Therapist Says. Let's do it. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglement, though. So let's do it. I am glad that it is Friday. Um, It is, what, Easter weekend? Um, I keep forgetting because people keep saying, Happy Easter, and I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) you know, because of just the whole traditional aspect of it. I don't really celebrate it, but um, I have two friends who are Easter babies. Uh, one, her birthday is today, and then my other best friend is on Monday. So I I remember that. I don't remember the Easter thing, but um, it's, it's nice. The weather is nice here in Austin. Um, it's not too hot, not too cold, especially after that wonderful freeze that we had <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it's it's good. It's good. Um, I'm really excited to have you guys both on the show. Um, I have been watching you guys for a minute. I know we met in mutual, you know, podcasting circles, but I've been really enjoying the content that y'all have been pulling out. And so, of course, um, after the title itself, I was like, I need y'all on the show because mental health is definitely a huge part of living with a chronic illness. Um, and so, uh, Lauren and Ryan, thank you for sharing your time and energy um, as we go into this. But Something that I would like to do is just for those who don't know you guys, if you could each introduce yourself and then I need y'all to tell the story of how y'all met and how you started the show because we're in three different time zones, (laughs) y'all. We're literally in three different time zones as we're we're recording this and I'm just so glad we were able to coordinate this really well. I'm central, one's Pacific, one's Eastern, so you know, all across the map. It's really cool. So I got to know how you guys have been making this work. Um, So yeah. You want to go first, Lauren? Sure. <clears throat> <clears throat> Got to clear my throat. Um, well, my name is Lauren. I live in Los Angeles, California, born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, which is right by LA. If you've been to LA, you know the area. Um, then my family moved out a little bit, about 45 minutes north when I was like nine years old. Um, I always loved helping people. That was something I knew I wanted to do as a young girl, just didn't really know what that meant. I had a lot of experience working with children. And then I moved to Arizona. I went to Arizona State for uh, undergrad and studied psychology. And then I taught preschool for a year, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I moved back to California. And then that was when I entered my grad program, which was uh, where I met Ryan, and we studied um, master's in counseling with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy. 
And that's kind of where my story with Ryan starts. And I'm Ryan. I now live in Connecticut, but I was born and raised in California, um, the desert areas where nobody knows we exist. Um, <laughs> and I went to Cal State Channel Islands out on the coast to get my bachelor's degree um, in psychology. And I also minor in, minored in communications. And I went straight into my master's program, which is also where I met Lauren. And am now a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing out here in Connecticut. Um, and I moved to Connecticut just because I wanted a life change. I am somewhat of a like wild nomad at heart and I've always been caged in. So I finally just decided to make the random move, which people are like, why Connecticut? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> there's, some, there's something for everyone, I guess. That's yeah, awesome. and um, I remember when I met Ryan, um, we kind of started off on a weird foot. Um, I do remember her saying she wanted to move to New England, and I was like, that's interesting. And then um, in our second semester of our first year, I was like, no, we have a lot in common. This girl is really cool. And because she lived right by where my parents lived, it was so easy for us to establish a relationship as friends and then we became travel buddies, adventure buddies, concert mm. buddies. We've done everything together. And then she moved. And it was really hard, but we kept in touch. And then um, July is when we launched our podcast. And we've been doing it ever since. Yeah, the podcast actually was an idea that I had once I moved here. It's, it's kind of weird just in the realms of mental health. My mental health changed completely once I left California for the better. Um, it was like a closed door in my brain had opened up and everything that I was good at as a child or had at the core of me just became easier. So I had all these creative ideas flooding me. I'd always wanted to do something creative again, but just never knew what it was. And so I remember texting Lauren probably within the first couple of months of me living out here in Connecticut and saying like, I think we should start a podcast about mental health, about being a therapist, something along this line. And now, you know, three yeah. years later, basically, we finally made it a reality. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we, we actually started about the same time. You guys were in July and I was uh, in August. Um, and, you know, of course, COVID made things a lot easier, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, and um, remote life has, has uh, given us a whole new meaning of connection. But it's really cool that you guys, you know, had this deep relationship beforehand. Um, and you know, uh, Lauren, I totally feel you on like that separation is hard. Um, one of my best friends, uh, from college, she moved to, she first moved to Houston to do her, uh, law program. And that was a little bit easier. It's like two and a half hours from here. And then she moved to Philadelphia to actually do her practice and, um, you know, work and do what she wants to do. And that was really hard because, you know, we, we're, we have this trio. And so she and I are still here. And then our third is in Philadelphia. And we're just like, Life is weird because you're not here, and I'm used to seeing you guys every weekend, and, and now I don't. So I, I truly uh, commend you guys for being able to have such a deep relationship and you know build something together uh, that surrounds both of your passions on how you met. So that's that's really cool. Um, so my next question for both of you guys is, you know, so you did your your grad programs together. Um, why therapy? Why was that the idea that? you know, especially family and marriages, that's, you know, a very particular uh, realm to go in. So what inspired each of you to decide, I want to be a therapist and I want to help people? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> Wait. Oh, oh. Go ahead, Lauren. I'm going to start flipping a coin. <laughs> I choose Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Normally, we don't have this problem. Normally, we're very like on – we haven't recorded in a while. I feel like that's why. Um, so I actually wanted to go into a completely different field. I went into college wanting to be in public relations, wanted to be in a creative outlet, um, and couldn't get any of my classes. Like they were all full all the time. And so I was like, I'm not just going to sit here. I need to be doing something. Um, so I started taking yeah. psychology classes and I, I finished all of my psychology classes by the time my communication classes started opening up, which is why I have a minor in communications because I was like, no, I'm not staying here any longer. I'm done. 
And then I don't know, I just ended up going to my master's program. My mom is a marriage and family therapist. So I grew up around psychology and therapy in my household. Um, so I guess it was just kind of ingrained in me that way. I've always been a listener, a helper. That's just kind of my personality. If you take the personality test, all of mine come back as the helper. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let me get something new yeah. in here. Uh, but to kind of like clarify for most people, the, the common misconception is that marriage and family therapists are counselors for couples and families. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not necessarily true. I It's just kind of the title. We have a broad range of training in things that are clinical. So mental health and our degree helps us look at behavior from a systemic standpoint, meaning like your family is the system that you grow up in and that just impacts everything, how we see the world and how we act and all of that. So um, a lot of people are like, oh, you do couples counseling. I'm like, no, neither of us do couples counseling, actually. It's just the way that (laughs) our our degree is called. But yeah. Your turn, Lauren. All right. (laughs) Um, And then for me, it's funny because when I was like 13, 12, 13, I was always reading those like teen um, fiction, nonfiction novels about eating disorders and just other like mental health issues. And, you know, looking back, it's like, well, it makes sense. I wanted to be in a helping field. Um, But it's really, I think the reason I wanted to be a therapist was because when I was in middle school, I was bullied. And it really uh, impacted how I felt during that time. And the only way I got through it was because my family was so in tune to how I was feeling. And um, currently, I'm, I'm almost done with my job. Um, it's coming to an end for me as I enter the licensure process of actually getting my license and being licensed in California. Um, I've been working at a high school. So working with teens has been extremely rewarding. So I think that I just wanted to figure out, I think for a while I wanted to be a a child psychologist because the title sound good. And then I found the MFT program. And just like Ryan said, I mean, it's not, it it is just a title. Um, A lot of the U.S. um, works on social work. Like that's like the main um, therapy in other states that are not really California. So California has psychologists, uh, social workers. And to me, I just thought my grandma, who I never met, who passed away when my dad was a child, was a social worker in New York. And I knew what she did. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So what else can I do? Now I realize we're, we're all kind of the same, right. a little bit different depending on the state and um, the job itself. But uh, I, And also um, the grad school that we went to was where I was born and raised for half my life. So I was like, mm, it's meant to be. It works out. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And, um, you know, definitely, Ryan, thank you for for clarifying the title thing, because, you know, I'm guilty. I'm like, okay, it's family issues, it's marriage issues. And, you know, that that's, that's already a deep well in itself, <laughs> let alone what, you know, possible individual stuff is. But it's it's nice to know, you know, for those listening that it means you can cover a lot of things and it's the titling is more so the root of where some of those individual issues come up. So that's really cool. Um, you know, for my own therapist, she's got 50 million tags on her and she's a supervisor. So I'm like, I'm just going to assume that means, you know, all the things and I'm in the right place <laughs> because, you know, it can be a little bit confusing when you're, you know, especially seeking help and you're trying to understand what does that mean that you specialize in? Um, so thank you for that clarity. That's really cool. Which leads me, and uh, Lauren, I'll start with you on this one, is what is one misconception about therapy that you want to correct? So we got the title thing, but as you go into therapy or someone seeking it out for the first time, I'd love to hear from both of you. What's one myth or thing that you're just like, hey, stop the madness. This is not true. You know, if you come into a therapy space, this is actually what happens. So there's probably more than one, but... I will say the one that comes to mind is that you need to be in a mental health crisis to get therapy, when in reality, mental health should be looked at from a preventative perspective, which is another reason why I wanted to go into therapy was I wanted it to be preventative because so many things in our life are like, well, we're in it now. How do we get out? Um, and that also relates to physical health as well. Like, you know, if you see a, something on your body, 
go to the doctor now, not in three weeks when it's infected. So I think about that in a mental health way that for me, it's like, if you're not feeling okay or supported or mentally well, go find a therapist now because you can always end therapy. You can always leave. You can always find someone new. Um, You can have a short-term thing. It could be six months and you're like, you know what? I feel better. We worked through the challenge that brought me here. Or it could be long-term, but it doesn't need to be something that like, oh, wow, I'm in a deep depression. I've been like this for years. Now I need therapy. It's like, no, you need therapy before. So that's probably what I would say. Ooh, that's a good one. All right, Ryan, what about you? I think mine would probably be that I've noticed a lot of clients come into therapy thinking that there are these tools, that word word gets used a lot, um, that I'm magically going to give them that will make things better. Like I just hand them a magic wand and then all of a sudden like they they use that wand when they need to and it works. Um, And although we do utilize tools in therapy, they're kind of a little bit more covert than people will think when they come into therapy. You know, they can be something so small, like us just talking about something and then them building insight on being able to think about those things or, um, you know, us using mindfulness or journaling or breath work. Um, Those are all skills and tools and they don't always work. So I think that's a big misconception is that you're going to learn how to cope with things in therapy and it's always going to work. Like it's going to be your toolbox that always works. And so, um, you know, I kind of remind clients there's times where you just have to utilize time as a coping skill or talking or just having a space to vent is a big tool and that people don't even think about, you know, they're like, well, we're just talking. Why, you know, this, this isn't doing anything like, well, you know, you're, you're really learning about yourself by being able to vocalize these things. So I think that's a big one. We're not going to just hand you these magic wands that are going to fix everything. You have to do the work. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something so huge in our culture that I feel like we're finally coming around to in that nothing is going to be instant. Um, you know, I, I, I think we're all around the same age. So we grew up in the microwave generation, as they like to call us, right? So everything is instant. Everything is, it should be fixed right now. And, you know, no matter what it is, whether it is your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, it takes time. I don't wake up the next day and suddenly like, oh, my blood sugars are just absolutely perfect. No, I had to work at this shit and it's still a daily grind, right? Um, And so uh, I I appreciate that, you know, listen to the therapist, y'all it takes time. (laughs) You know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, And that's something that I had to get over because I did not want to go back to therapy. I had a weird experience when I was a kid with my parents. Um, But thanks to my partner pushing me, uh, I didn't even realize, like, I like to share anyways, I'm an oversharer. But when I got into that container, it just fell out of me. Like everything just fell out of me. And it was just like, that's all I needed half the time was someone who wasn't emotionally attached to me to sit back and just hear me out. And I'm like, yeah, I can do this every week, (laughs) you know? And so um, I think that's very beautiful to understand that it is not going to be an instant, you know, in one session. It is something that you need to work at and be willing to work at. Um, Because if you're looking for a magic wand, we all want to be in Harry Potter world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It ain't happening. (laughs) So I would love to dive into um, a couple of things that, you know, I feel are not only huge, just in general, but especially for the diabetic community, um, something that always plays a role in, you know, how our illness progresses is stress. So uh, I don't know if y'all heard it going off. So I have my CGM right here to check in on where my blood sugar levels are at, right? And so something that affects blood sugar levels is stress. And it's not something that we can, you know, 100% control. But a lot of times when you're diagnosed, people don't tell you, hey, Stress might make your numbers go crazy. Uh, Working out in certain ways might make your numbers go crazy. Uh, Ladies, time of the month is going to make your numbers go crazy. Being sick, nobody really breaks that down. And so I would love to, one, hear from each of you why stress management is important and how does it take a toll if it goes unchecked? You know, for us, we get, if it goes unchecked, your numbers are going crazy. But I think there's a deeper thing that can happen if you don't take care of your stress management. So uh, Ryan, we'll start with you on this one. Okay. 
Um, so I talk to my students about this a lot because I've been hearing from a lot of people. I also work at a high school. I don't think I said that. Um, that they're just really struggling to focus. They're really struggling with memory and all of these things. And this is something I actually learned when we were in our master's program because it happened to me is that if your stress level gets out of control, your frontal lobe, the front of your head, where your forehead is, where your all of your decision-making, focus, et cetera, comes from, will pretty much shut off. It's like done. It's like, I'm tired. I'm not, I'm not working anymore. And that's a big thing, wow. you know, because then you're more stressed out. Like, why can't I remember what I just was supposed to be doing? Why can't I focus on this or that? So stress can have a huge biological impact on us. You know, like you were saying, Taylor, for your blood sugar levels and, you know, for other people, they're getting stomach aches and migraines and, I mean, stress can even give you a heart attack if it goes unchecked. So the mind-body connection is so intense that we really have to learn how to recognize when we're getting to that place and really find ways to, to stop it and make conscious decisions to make changes for ourselves. Wow. Wow. What's your take, Lauren? Well, I agree, first of all. Um, but also I feel like a lot of people are just not honest about where their stress is coming from. I'm one of those people because mm. full disclosure. So I have a migraine today. It's because I had a really stressful week and I know exactly why I, um, mm. just dealing with some personal stuff, some career stuff. Um, and you know, I feel like it's really important that people are honest about where their stress is coming from and being able to confide in somebody as a release, whether that is your therapist who can help you work through some of those issues or, you know, a partner, close friend, whoever it may be, um, because the body really does pick up on the stress. And from a mental health perspective, I mean, there's certain things that I talk about also with my students that are not, you know, anxiety, depression, it's fatigue and also digestion, like Ryan said, um, sleep issues, yeah. <laughs> insomnia is, you know, be due to stress. Um, so when I'm hearing, you know, oh, I'm not sleeping well, and there's a lot on my mind, I mean, that it's stress. So finding out the, the cause of it, and then addressing it. Wow. So first, Lauren, thank you for being, you know, vulnerable. I know that this is kind of y'all's space uh, on a regular basis, but I think people often forget that the people helping others also need space to be vulnerable and to release. So thank you for uh, being open with us. And and I hope the migraine uh, gets a little bit better for you. Um, because, you know, like you guys said, everybody needs to recognize and acknowledge their stress. Everybody needs release. Um, and I'm, I'm also guilty of not recognizing when I'm I'm stressed the hell out. It, it literally crept up on me. In season two, I actually had to take a step back from the show for like two weeks because I translate um, uh, doing things by keep myself busy. If I'm stressed out, if I keep myself busy, if, I, if I'm constantly working on something, I love projects anyways, then I won't have to acknowledge that something is freaking me out, right? I'll just deal with it later when I get all this stuff done. This is more important. And my body literally shut down. It was just like, you are not going to have the energy to move at all until you address this. So either address it or you're just going to be laid out in the bed for you know a week straight. And so um, it is definitely important to check into that um, especially for those with chronic illnesses, it can cause way more harm um, if you don't. So speaking of clients with chronic conditions, um, have either of you worked with students or other people who have a chronic condition like diabetes or some other autoimmune disease? And if you have, what's been the most challenging about it? And what are some tips that you would give somebody, you know, like myself or any others who not only have this condition, but they're trying to get their mental health in check as well um, in ways that they can, you know, balance that stress management to keep the um, symptoms and things from kind of flaring up. And Lauren, we'll start okay. with you on this one. So I have a student who's newly diagnosed type 1 diabetic, and they're having a really hard time. So hard of a time that literally mm -hmm. yesterday I got an email from the nurse at school talking about this is a really big issue. Now, um, without going into you know wow. details, um, my student hasn't been super vocal about it. And because it's something I'm not super familiar with, I'm not pushing it. I'm not pushing for them to talk about it, but I'm aware of it. And I know from, from you know 
Taylor from other people out there who live with a chronic condition that it, I mean, it's, it's a very debilitating thing and it's, it's hard, but also working with chronic conditions, depending on the chronic conditions is hard as a therapist when I don't know what it's like. So all I can do is empathize, which it's true for a lot of things, but I feel like that's a great time for them to be in a support group or have a therapist who is Mm -hmm. capable, you know, dealing with someone. Um, I know there's a lot of support groups for people who have cancer or family members um, who someone has cancer. So they have a lot of those types of support groups, which are really important. Um, But I, it's hard to say uh, as far as uh, working with chronic conditions, because I'm very new to it with my one student Um, and mental health. I mean, we've worked with a bunch of different students um, who are dealing with heavy mental health issues, chronic conditions, all I could say is, uh, you know, I work with my dad who has Crohn's disease. Um, so he's kind of like my model mm-hmm. for working with someone <laughs> with a chronic condition and seeing how their life is disrupted. It's really, really hard. I definitely have a lot of empathy, a lot of empathy. Yeah. 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 I will say for, you know, someone who's newly diagnosed, um, I get them not mm-hmm. wanting to talk about it. I think as long as you keep that door open for them, that's the biggest part, especially, you know, type one to usually diagnose as kids. And so half the time what's going through their minds is my entire life is over. Everything that I wanted to do, anything that I wanted to pursue is over because this thing will hold me back. And it's kind of those subtle reminders that it won't. You know, there are plenty of people who are thriving as type 1 diabetics. And yes, they have to give themselves insulin. Yes, they might need to use gadgets like CGMs or insulin pumps, but it is no different than any other person. You just have a little bit more you know, care that you have to take for yourself. Um, so if there's any anything that I can do to help you, it is just keep the door open for them to uh, recognize that it's okay to be afraid and it's okay because it, it, it sucks. None, none of us ask for this, <laughs> you know, but you can make it and it will be okay. And there's, um, plenty of, you know, great examples everywhere, um, of people doing just that. So, um, thank you for holding space for them because it, it's going to be rough. Um, but they will eventually get to a space for that. Um, so those two cents, uh, Ryan, I would love your take. Um, Lauren actually reminded me, I do have a student also that is um, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and he is often in the nurse's office not feeling well. Um, I don't see him as often, so I don't really have as much time with him to, to work with it. But, um, you know, I, I, I do have quite a few friends that have chronic illnesses. I have a friend with lupus. I have a friend also with type 1 diabetes. And I guess I would say like my only thing that I think I would probably utilize if I had a client coming to me would be probably mindfulness and meditation, trying to bring down those stress levels, getting in control of breath. And because of that mind-body connection, really trying to to put those together. And then I think too, depending on what it is, if, you know, if a client was coming to me for that specifically for support, I might say, you know, let's find someone together that would probably have more of a scope of practice around this that you would feel more supported by because I can listen and, you know, like Lauren's saying, offer empathy and have that space for you. But, you know, it might be better for someone else that has a specialty in that to work with you. So that and support groups, like Lauren was saying, I think are probably all good, good choices. Having a social group that gets it probably makes the biggest difference, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've had other guests um, who are uh, type ones, and one of their biggest pieces of advice is just find the community, um, find your people, find you know uh, locally and um, you know across nationally, if you will. Um, it is a very strong community, um, and it is a community that even like if you run out of supplies, you know someone will come through for you, you know. And so um, I'm glad that you guys are are being so forthright and saying, hey, let's find someone to, you know, together to be able to give that perspective um, because it's not easy. And especially working with kids, um, you know, it can be it can be a lot. I will I will plug a friend for you guys. Uh, her name is Simone. Um, she's actually on the show as well, uh, coming out pretty soon. But she is not only a pediatric nurse, but also a type one diabetic. Uh, her handle is Diabetes Bay. Um, and I think she'd be a great resource for you guys to just kind of 
pick her brain on, you know, growing up, she was diagnosed as a teenager um, and went into nursing, you know, specifically for that. So she's worked through plenty of children's hospitals and um, has spoken to, you know, parents that have come in. They're like, hey, look, she's a nurse and she's a type mm-hmm. one. Like she gets it, you know, so I'm happy to um, lend any more resources to help you guys. Oh, yeah, please. Um, yeah, there's nothing like finding someone who's been through what you're going through. I mean, that's the human connection. So um, just echoing, you know, with anyone who has a chronic condition is finding that support group. And we're so lucky that we have social media in that sense to find groups that are more tangible and ready at access. Um, I've seen them on Facebook and other platforms, but it's really nice to have that community to, to to say, you know, you've been through something like me and look at you or especially older adults because, you know, we work with teenagers. So, you know, my student's 14 and, you know, they're just like, they weren't taking great care of their health. And then this happened and they were in the hospital and I was so worried about them. And then I found out this happened and I was like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. like I saw the signs, but I didn't know because I'm not a doctor, but I saw the stress. I saw, and, you know, there could be anything that contributes sure. to, um, you know, a chronic illness, but I, it makes sense based on how they've been feeling this year. And then plus, you know, COVID in general, it's just a really hard time. But yes, appreciate resources and, and your voice too, um, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. No, happy to help. We, um, we get it. <laughs> and even though I was diagnosed at 25, you know, I, I cannot imagine, you know, had I been diagnosed at 14 or, you know, a seven or, you know, whatever, because it changes everything, you know, from your relationships um, to how you navigate to, you know, okay, if I live by myself, you know, what happens if I hit a low and I just ran out of candy in the house? You know, there's a lot of things that come with that and a lot of immediate growing up that you kind of have to do because when you're a kid and you're a teenager, you're like, my body's invincible. I can do whatever the hell I want, you know? And so for that to have to be a focus, you know, it can be a lot. So, um, definitely understand and, and happy to, you know, continue to support you guys and connect you with people who can, you know, really speak to that. Um, so I want to dive more into, you know, how mental health directly affects the body. And Orion, you kind of touched on like this deep connection and how we can translate. Um, and I, I'm curious to get a better understanding from you guys of when we don't take care of our mental health and when our bodies start to change, like, how do we treat that? How do we re-align uh, that connection to ensure that not only are we mentally, you know, working ourselves out, but we're making sure that it's also helping our bodies as well? Because I, I also believe that, you know, when you work on your mind and your spirit, it ensures that every decision that you make towards your body is is in sync with that. Uh, but when it's out of alignment, how do we bring that back so that way we can ensure that we can actually listen to those signs and those cues that, hey, something's off or something's wrong? Um, Brian, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah. So I think you can kind of start with any of those three and you'll start to see little changes in the other two. So whether you start with the spiritual aspect, the mental health aspect, or the physical aspect, you'll start to see a, an improvement. You know, when we eat better, when we exercise, when we get sunshine, when we socialize, when we drink water, all those things, it's helping our bodies produce the right hormones that we need to feel happier, to manage our stress. Um, If we're going to therapy, if we're utilizing our coping skills, we're going to have more of the motivation and desire to do things like eating healthier and getting out of the house. Um, And spiritually, you know, if you're connecting to something that feels really good for you, uh, it, it really helps you just same thing, just feel that energy to utilize in those other other ways. So things that I use with my clients a lot is, is journaling is a huge one, you know, writing down how you're feeling, what's going on for you, um, like habit tracking, things along those lines, meditation, mindfulness. I'll bring those up a ton. I know Lauren's not a fan of using them for herself, as she might explain, but um, like it doesn't work for everybody, but for me, it does work. And so, you know, because of that being my experience, I usually share that with people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Lauren, what's your take? So, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm like having a <clears throat> moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I agree with Ryan. Um, yeah. The mindfulness med- meditation doesn't work for me because I just have so many thoughts going through my brain, which if you work on, <laughs> 
mindfulness meditation, you'll settle those thoughts. So it's kind of one of those things. Um, But yeah, I feel like it's really important to adopt some type of routine for yourself of positive coping skills, which is what I talk about Mm. consistently with my students. They're probably sick of me talking about it. But that really is the tool, the best tool that therapists can guide you on is finding positive things that make you feel good, that um, contribute to a healthy, mm, stress-free routine. Um, And they can be anything. You know, there's like the classic getting outside, going on a walk, um, going to the beach, stuff like that. But then it can be something like uh, watching your favorite TV show. You know, it doesn't always have to be so like woo-woo or, um, you know, non-tech involved. Um, but I feel like for me, what like what's helped me is um, developing a really great support system where I feel like I can talk with um, people in my life about how I'm feeling. I think without the support system, everything else doesn't matter. So for me, it's like your support system matters. Get rid of people who aren't there for you, who are, give toxic energy. Um, if you need more support, find those support groups. <clears throat> I run um, I run a women's group. There's over 3,000 members. Uh, my intention was started to um, get people connected. And now it's just like booming the last couple months and people are looking for friends. So it's out there. Um, but also just spending, yeah, spending time with people that I love listening to music. I mean, these are really basic things, but they all help with my stress levels. Um, you know, I feel like I'm just self-disclosing a lot today, but I feel really safe here. So thank you, Taylor. Um, but I have IBS and to, to, to hey. manage IBS, you have to manage your stress. Hmm. And I suffered for it for years, suffered with it for years. And, um, you know, it really, it was really awful. But the last year during COVID, I, I curbed it. And I'm like, how did that happen? Maybe because I needed to listen to my body and kind of slow down, not run around everywhere and do everything because that's my mentality. I'm very much like I can't sit still. Like I'm wasting my time if I'm taking the day off. That's just who I am. But like clearly my body needed it. So when we listen to our bodies, um, I mean, that's kind of the best advice I could give is find the support system, listen to your body and develop a stress-free routine that helps curb any of the stress that, you know, we experience day to day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely feel that in that. Um, I feel like 2020 was the, the universe's collective message of everybody just sit the fuck down, just sit down and chill out for a second because, you know, we are constantly in this moving, evolving, you know, type atmosphere, right? I mean, if even if we look at our history, none of us could sit still long enough. We had to move on to the next thing. We had to build the next thing. We had to create the next thing. Um, and to actually take time for yourself, you discover so much, you know, there's so much that I didn't realize that I was struggling with until I was forced to get quiet. And, you know, obviously the goal is to not have to be forced to do that, but, um, it's still powerful when you really can understand like, oh, I've been struggling with this and I need to acknowledge that and I need to sit with that and I need to understand why is it that I feel this way or why does this thing from 10 years ago still bother me? And, you know, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. You know, as women, what's that's our favorite line, right? <laughs> you know, I'm totally fine. There's nothing wrong, you know, fine, fine, fine. Um, so I appreciate, you know, again, your vulnerability and I'm glad that this container is, is safe for you because, um, we don't talk about it enough. You know, I don't think I'll ever get sick of any of us talking about the stuff that we're going through and how we're able to, you know, support our own overall wellness. So Lauren, you already hit the nail on the head of what I was going to ask next. So Ryan, I'm going to jump to you and and ask on what are your personal ways that you've worked on your overall mental health? Um, I know you talked about mindfulness and meditation, but just, you know, curious to know what are those kind of deeper things that have really supported you um, and ensuring that your mental health is is top notch. Yeah. So I would say, and I kind of said this at the beginning, the biggest thing I did for myself without even realizing I was doing it for myself was to move. Um, I suffer from depression and anxiety. I have for a very, very long time. Um, and it's gone in waves of being very bad and intense and me needing to be on medication to, you know, it being mostly gone and, and manageable. When I left California, 
um, and I love California. It's nothing against California, but for for me, you know, like you're saying, like something was screaming at me to say, like there, you need to change your environment for you to be able to get a better hold of this. So I did. I left, and as soon as I got here, I remember telling Lauren, like, my anxiety's better. You know, my depression is better. My like blood sugar, like my blood pressure is better. Like everything has gotten better just by me changing my environment. And sometimes that's what it takes for us to have a big growth in mental health or even physical health yeah. is just changing where you are um, and kind of pressing the refresh button. So because of that, I've seen a huge, huge amount of change in myself. I've noticed my ability to grow in my own mental health, to be stronger in my own mental health. Um, and just my desire to take care of myself better. You know, now I enjoy being outside a lot more, things along those lines. Yeah, you know, I really love uh, the change your environment because even when it comes to to friend circles, you know, uh, Lauren, you kind of touched on this too about like getting rid of people who have toxic energy. And I, I'm such a people person that I, you know, my my best friend says I like to collect people. And I'm like, I don't like to collect people. I just, I'm that person, you know, whether it's sober or not, I'm like, oh my God, let's be friends, like exchange numbers. Oh my God. You know, it's not just a one-off thing, but it truly is something where there has to be an application process because when you start allowing so many people and energies to surround you, you really don't get how much it can affect you. And, And for me, I don't know if you guys are empaths, but I'm very much an empath. And so I'm, it's easy for me to tune into people and I've had to learn to control that because I would tune in so hard that it would be devastating when someone would just randomly break the connection for no reason. Um, And so that environment can really make or break how you do something because, you know, if I'm constantly surrounded by people who are like on the go, got to move, you know, got to build this next thing. That's what I want to do too, you know, versus having a mixture of like, okay, somebody who's constantly grinding for their business. That's awesome. But I also have someone who really loves to play and wants to to be childlike. And that helps, that's helpful too. And then someone who loves nature and, you know, it's nice to keep a mix of that. But, you know, even when you're by yourself, change your scenery, because especially after this past year, our homes have become everything. And so not being able to, you know, see different environments is hard. I will say though, so I recently got an Oculus and that has been a wonderful escape for me. One, because it's it's my new workout thing and that's what's been keeping me constant and moving my body. Um, but even uh, I use this app called Trip, which is a uh, like meditation um, kind of app. And it's really cool because they take you through these very visual experiences and the scenery changes. And I come out of that because I know I'm sitting in my living room, but because it's just so visual and it's illusion, you know, um, it has really calmed me down in a sense of like, okay, I can get through the day now because I got to even for a, a snap second, you know, get away from my space. Um, and, and Ryan, I'm kind of where you're at. I'm like, it's time to change my environment. I love Austin. I really do, but I'm ready to, to expand and to, um, you know, starting over feels so different, you know? And I think, um, our generation, we're used to that. You know, we're used to kind of that start over process and it can be very therapeutic to, um, you know, have to find new friends or not have to, but, you know, meeting new people and and experiencing new places and new scenery and, you know, not the same highways and cities and things that we're involved in. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm all for, uh, I'm much a nomad too. Um, I've just been a nomad around the city. I haven't jumped city lines. So, (laughs) Okay. So I want to talk all things Dope Shit Therapy Pod because uh, you guys have been crushing it in terms of the things that you brought up. I think my favorite one so far is when you brought up the Britney Spears documentary. I still haven't watched it, Lauren. Okay, I know. I know I need to watch it because y'all's take on it. I'm just like, I knew we needed to leave Britney alone, but I just did not understand how deep we needed to leave Britney alone. So it is on my list. That's actually my next, um, my I call it veg out session where I'm like, I'm doing nothing but watching uh last last week it was weird movies weird (laughs) knockoff movies and i watched this crazy nicholas cage one where it was like this alien that comes to earth every six years comment and it was weird y'all but i laughed all the way through it was great i love watching cringe-worthy movies where it's just like and it was 2020 so i'm like nikki you heard before check that bad like face off still not making you money like come on (laughs) so I love doing that kind of stuff for like cheesy martial arts movies. Um, although some of them, 
are surprisingly really good. I'm like, I'm crying at the end. What is this? <laughs> so anyways, um, I, I love the things that you guys talk about. Um, and I want to know, like, what are the plans for the future? And, you know, with you guys being in separate spaces um, and the world starting to creep into, you know, and, uh, okay, I think we can play nice with each other, hopefully. Um, what do you guys want to do with the show? Where do you want to take it? And uh, you got any cool stuff coming up? Because because I, I love when people have cool stuff coming up. It's, it's so funny you mentioned um, – Okay, I guess I'll – Oh. Me? Okay. I was just going to say it's so funny you mentioned the Britney yeah. Spears episode that we did <laughs> because that is by far the most discussed episode amongst people uh, that have listened. I've now heard that at least like six, seven times from like people who've listened to the episode. They were – I don't know if you knew this, Ryan, but um, it's just so funny. Like that was us just being like, you know what? We, we've always, you know, loved Britney Spears growing up. She was like an idol to us. And we were like, let's just like give our take on this experience of watching her documentary. So it's so interesting that people have just picked up on what we were putting down. So thank you. Um, coming up, we have a lot of great episodes um, releasing next week. We have Case Kenny. I don't know if you've heard of Case Kenny, but he is, um, how would you describe him? I have such a hard time describing him, Ryan. I don't know. Um, so he's kind of like a positive mindset podcaster. He's been doing it for about three years. He's like top something on Apple Podcasts. Like he's always the top on his wellness category. Um but he does like these really short episodes about just things that are relatable to everybody, like, you know, like ghosting and red flags and, you know, what – most of it's usually surrounding dating and stuff, but he's done some other things as well, um, confidence, things like that. So, yeah, our episode with him releases on Monday and we're really excited about it. That's cool. That's cool. So – um, are you guys, uh, you, you guys are audio only. Are you guys going to, going to creep into the video space or, or, or do y'all do video? I've only listened to y'all on Apple podcast. So I, I, forgive me if I didn't check. To see no, we do, we do video and we do a snippet, um, every Friday of an episode release week. We do a snippet of the video from, um, our recording. Um, maybe one day I feel like, you know, and maybe you can relate Taylor, just like getting into the podcast space was us learning everything on our own. No one taught us anything um, mm -hmm. other than like tips and tricks, obviously from different groups, but um, everything we do is, uh, is our own. So I think sure. when we find um, maybe a little bit more time or um, are ready to take it to the next level, we'll definitely <laughs> include more of our, our video. Uh, but I think focusing on the conversation is our main goal. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to do with video. So, um, but not opposed to it. Yeah. Okay. Would you guys ever go into practice together? Like, like dope shit therapy, you know, <laughs> that, that would be cool. I, I would join. I'd be like, yep, sign me up. Sounds like my people. If Ryan <laughs> wants to move back to California and get licensed here, we can open up a practice in San Diego and she can specialize in, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I love that we have the podcast to kind of, this is ourselves. Like if, if people listen to our podcast, this is truly us. Nothing is censored. This is totally us uh, sharing what we mm -hmm. want to share, talking about what we want to talk about. So it's nice to have a space that like isn't censored by our job, if that makes sense. Um, even though th that is our job, um, but there's a there's a lot of yeah, rules yeah. in you know therapy of things we can and cannot do. And so it's nice to just have like this is from me. I'm not. I, I am a therapist. We are therapists, but this isn't a therapist podcast. Mm -hmm. It's two women who know a thing or two about mental health, but also our, our own person. And uh, we can just talk about whatever we want to talk about, which is mm -hmm. why we did the episode on Britney Spears. You know, it felt really cathartic to kind of share our experience of like, yeah, yeah. leave this woman alone. She can't defend herself. So that's mm -hmm. my take. Yeah. Ryan, anything? I, I completely agree. Um, we really started this podcast as a way for us to have 
almost something for us, I guess. Um, but we're both yeah. creative people. We needed an outlet for it. You know, when you're a therapist, you you do a lot of giving. And although we are giving with this podcast too, it's in a way that we feel like we can we can do whatever we want. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know about Lauren, but I'm, I'm assuming based on our conversations um, that, you know, Dope Shit My Therapist says is it's our brand that we want to create and build off of off the side of being therapists. We don't want to combine them together. You know, we're utilizing our degrees and our knowledge um, and our love of mental health to create and utilize in this brand, but we don't want to really like combine them together to be one giant thing. Like we're enjoying that separation. Sure. Yeah. I I will say um, if you guys ever want to continue breaking down like crazy media mental health breakdowns like i'm not gonna lie the first thing that came to mind was r kelly when he like lost his shit with gail (laughs) and i'm just like let's let's break this down what kind of you know psychological thing you're going i think those would be really cool because um you know you you get all these takes from so many different um you know big wig professionals but it's nice to know like what do everyday you know therapists think of like hey if if he came into my space and we were talking about this like Here's what the breakdown was. Um, uh, you know, Lauren, you hit the right on the head. The the Britney Spears thing was so compelling because you're always hearing it from these, you know, higher level experts and there are higher level experts everywhere, you know, and it's nice to hear um, from those perspectives because you guys did just as much work to earn your degrees and your licenses as, you know, other people. So, um, yeah, I don't know why R. Kelly came to mind, but I just, I think it's hilarious, honestly, the entire whatever that is, you know, Aaliyah was one of my favorite artists oh, yeah. too. So I'm just like, oh no, you got Hon- something going on in that brain. Honestly, Taylor, like, if you, you know, came so- to my office, I'd refer him out immediately. <laughs> There's just no way. <laughs> There's just no way. No, I agree. I really like, I, I, I don't watch I R. Kelly, um, but I, Aaliyah was just so precious and perfect. And I, you know, it's just, um, I have been watching the Demi Lovato documentary that's on YouTube, and that one yeah, would might be a good one for us, too. maybe Ryan, to uh, come together and because it, it touches on a lot of substance usage, um, which is different from Britney because Britney's suffering with a lot of other issues, um, but Demi, I followed her since the beginning, since I was a Disney kid, and we're like the same age, so I've seen her like up and down, so yeah. potentially, if Ryan's on board. We could uh, dissect Demi. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, the whole celebrity thing is so Lauren. Yeah. Like, she <laughs> is so good at that. She's the one who runs into celebrities. She knows all of the details. If you ask me, I have no clue. I'm like, all I know is R. <laughs> Kelly did something bad. I have no clue what you're talking about, Taylor. Completely over my head. I actually never even watched the Britney Spears documentary. Like, Lauren's like, oh, watch this, watch that. And you know, honestly, half the time my coping skills are laying on the couch with my dog on Instagram. That's my problem is my Instagram yeah. habit. So if we do this, I'm actually going to have to like watch the documentary <laughs> this time. You'll just have to message me and I'll watch it with you because, again, that's one that I really want to see. Because I, I love Demi um, and I follow her and, you know, same Disney kid kind of thing. And I like that she was different. And, you know, that's when all of the uh, singing and dancing like movies kept coming out. And um, I, I will say I could have gone the rest of my life without High School Musical. I'm oh, saying yeah, right now, sure. no shade yeah. to Zach and Vanessa and all y'all, but uh, one was enough and y'all did three. So <laughs> you know, I'm like, I can't make it, make it stop. You know, especially when South Park did their episode on it. I'm like, no, guys, don't fall for it. But I, I love how they make fun of stuff. So I, I guess I had to let it happen. But um, you guys, I would love to ask you one last question of, you know, if somebody is nervous about going to therapy, what's one piece of advice that you would give them about taking that first step into, you know, working on their mental health? And uh, Ryan, let's start with you. I guess research, you know, like looking at it the same way you would going to a doctor, like look up the therapist you're trying to find, understand what you really want to work on first. 
Um, and that'll help guide you in picking a therapist because a lot of therapists, you know, their profiles will say like, oh, I focus on this, this, and this. And then that can kind of help guide you on who you're going to pick. The other thing too is, you know, getting therapy is not selfish. And I think a lot of people may come from that perspective when they're nervous to go to therapy, like, oh, I'm just going to be talking about myself and, you know, blah, blah, and my friends for that. Um, or what are they going to think? What are they going to you know, judge me? And, you know, here's how I from a therapist. I tell my clients this all the time. If they're like, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm like, you, you're fine. Trust me. We have heard lots of things so far. And mm-hmm we're not judging you. Like we, we really could care less in the way of like, it's good. We care less, you know, we're just here to listen and absorb it. And we really, we really aren't judgmental in our, in our day to day with that, with our work. We just really care and want to know how we can listen and be supportive. So I think, you know, if you understand that, you know, a therapist has gone into this job because we do care about humans in general and that we're really wanting to listen and understand you, that might be a little bit more supportive. Awesome. Yeah, I I feel like something that a lot of people are nervous about, besides obviously opening up and being vulnerable, is fear of judgment. Um, and that's why I do think, like Ryan said, research, it's important because I, I feel like, yeah, if I were to have a therapist who is like in their 60s, you know, like my mom's age, I don't know that I'd be so comfortable So finding someone maybe who is a little bit younger, if you're younger, finding a male, if you want a male versus a female. Um, And that's what, you know, psychology today is for. A lot of therapists have profiles on there and they talk about what they specialize in. Um, But, you know, you can always break up with your therapist if it doesn't go the way you want it to or you don't feel heard. One of the biggest things is that um, I think people get turned off with therapy when their therapist is a bad match for them. And it happens because we're humans. So like sometimes mm. I'll have a friend say, yeah, you know, my therapist isn't isn't hearing me right. And so I say, okay, give it a few sessions and talk about what you might need from them, which is really hard, but it's allowed and not talked about often. Again, if a therapist is going to get butthurt over that, they are in the wrong mm. profession. And it's up to us to use our professional sense of self outside of the session to talk about our feelings because we are allowed to get butt hurt. We just can't talk about that with a client because it's totally unprofessional. Um, but it's important for you to find the right match. And if it's not immediately, I mean, you need to give it a little bit of time. Probably, I'd say, a couple months. And unless it's just god-awful, then get out. Um, but yeah, you might just need to research the type of person that you want as your therapist who specializes in what you're looking for, but also is, is hearing you and giving you space. So. Yeah, no, I think uh, both of you make very valid points in that do your research. You know, it's okay to find profiles and reviews just like you would when you're about to make a new purchase on something. And it's not to make, you know, uh, you as humans sound like products, but, you know, the service that you're getting, you want to know that you're going to get something value out of, uh, valuable out of it. And uh, Lauren, I love your, your aspect of like, find your mirror. You know, um, I don't have anything against male therapists, but you don't have the same body parts as me. So if I need to talk about some stuff, I want a female therapist who understands you know, the ups and downs of womanhood, you know, um, sometimes, uh, you know, when me and my partner did couples therapy, we specifically wanted a woman of color because she could understand some of the things that we go through from a cultural standpoint. And it can be difficult to try to explain that to somebody who's not a part of your culture. And it's not to, you know, add to any type of racial divide. It's just like right now for my sanity, I need somebody who gets it, you know? Um, but my therapist, she's, she's a white lady and I love her to death. Shout out to Kelly, um, because she has been uh, my favorite therapist uh, for the last two years. She's a fellow Texan, too. Um, and and something uh, she just knows how to just draw stuff out of me. And I've, I've gone leaps and bounds. Um, you know, she was a big, honestly, person when I was thinking about doing this. Uh, a, the podcast. B, quitting my job to pursue my own passions and programs outside of the podcast. Um, you know, she's been there for every step. So um, finding a good therapist is so important. And it is, uh, I actually dated, I dated two therapists before I settled on Kelly <laughs> and I felt so bad. I was like, I'm cheating on them because I was trying to trial them out. You know, like, like you said, it's okay to trial them out because 
you know, you don't know the vibe of somebody until you spent a little bit of time with them, just like you would a friend or, you know, uh, a possible partner, because everybody puts on their best behavior at the beginning. Most therapists don't, but for yourself, you're like, do I really want to open up to this person? Do I feel comfortable with them? And so, um, but I definitely felt like, like a, a two timing, two timing whore <laughs> with two therapists. Like you are just a terrible person because both of these women are trying to help you and you're just, you're scheming on. I didn't tell Kelly till way later because I, I literally felt so bad That's for the other so lady. Funny. I was like, I just want you to know at the very beginning, I was seeing another therapist at the same time as you. I'm sorry. It's just like, girl, if you don't, oh, I'm in the session now. If you keep going. On. That's so, funny. so anyways, um, ladies, you, yeah, it's, 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 I'm, I'm dramatic. It's, it's the theater kid, but y'all, this has been really informative and really awesome. And I thank you both for your time and energy and perspective on this. Um, if people want to, you know, keep up with the show and everything that you guys are doing, how can they find you? Um, you know, how can they connect with you? And, uh, yeah, yeah. If they, yeah, that's my question. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you can find us on Instagram. That is the, well, that's a lie. We have an Instagram, a TikTok, and Clubhouse now. Um, So it's the same across all. It is dope, S-H-T, therapy pod. Um, And we also, what was the other question? Oh, (laughs) our our podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, we're supposed to be on Amazon, although it hasn't been popping up. Um, but basically, you could find us on most most uh, podcast platforms. Real quick, how are y'all liking Clubhouse? I'm on it. I'm on I it. Have to go find y'all. Are y'all are y'all enjoying yeah. the platform so um, far? Are you on Clubhouse, Taylor? Okay, I'll mm-hmm. follow you. Um, because because um, right. I, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. in a room yesterday. I created a room with two other women I know, and we were talking about life after the pandemic really good conversation um just gotta get more people on board (laughs) grow yeah 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 i'll i'll go find you guys because um uh now it's a time suck it's it's very true what they say that you will find yourselves accidentally on there for i think my longest was six hours and i was only talking to one person (laughs) we just we just fell into to this stride, but um, there are a lot of great rooms, a lot of great room uh, diabetic oh, rooms. Nice. So I'm uh, once I find you guys, I'm happy to to ping you in on those. Oh, yeah, um, one of my friends on there, she does um, like type one for caregivers and parents, mm-hmm. um, and then there's another one that we do on Mondays that's like everything but diabetes, but it's like a play on words, and it's a, a room full of different diabetics and and others who want to be allies to listen in on you know things that we. Uh, go through. Sometimes they change the topic um, on like dating or, you know, drinking, stuff like that. So I will definitely be finding you on Clubhouse because um, I, I like Clubhouse. It's just finding the 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 shut off, step away, turn it off. It's almost worse or than Instagram. if you're me, not, so. if you're in a bigger room, treating it like a podcast and cleaning and doing things like I did the other day. I was on it for like two hours, but I was doing other things because it was a thousand mm-hmm. person room. So it just depends. Also on my energy level, which I think is great with Clubhouse, is that I could go, okay, I really want to talk today. Like, who's mm-hmm. down to talk? And what room can I go in that's small? And then other days I'm like, uh, I'll just listen. And it's like 1,000 people. And I'm like, great. I don't just raise my hand. So it's nice. The options. It is under – so our podcast, Clubhouse, is under my name because you have to put a name. And Lauren already had created her own personal one. So – I'm not really doing much on it yet. I, I just haven't had the energy to figure out it and, you know, I kind of have a lot on my plate, but we are planning on making it a thing and utilizing it. So I just made mine, mm-hmm. our podcast one, so we could branch off from there and do do all the things. So yes, feel free to follow. Um, and hopefully in the very near future, we can actually start making some strides with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you ladies both for, for sparing the time. Um, I know this won't be the last time that we chat, um, but I'm looking forward to everything that you guys are doing in the podcast space and then some, and appreciate your perspective on, you know, helping other diabetics know that therapy is 100% okay um, and that you should go for it to ensure that you're getting the help that you need. So until next time, guys, we will catch you next week.
man, can I just say, um, I these ladies, seriously, I'm really excited to see what they do um, in terms with their podcast and how they're going to have such a huge impact on so many people, not only in their careers, but in their personal lives with what they're bringing with the show. So many beautiful thoughts on how we can take better care of ourselves and our mental health and ways that we can you know, make little changes, whether it is our support system to our environment. It really matters what we take in and who we take in, in terms of ensuring that our stress and our mental health is zen, right? As a diabetic, you already know our stress levels will make our blood sugar go crazy, and we need to make sure that we are armed with as many tools and resources as possible to make sure that we can keep that under control. Because as Ryan so beautifully put it, the mind-body connection is so deep. So if our minds aren't right, our bodies won't be right either. So Ryan, Lauren, thank you so much again for your perspective, your expertise, and your vulnerability. You guys shared so much um, on the things that you're going through and the things that have helped you get through them. And I'm so grateful that you chose to share that with me. So until next week, guys, you already know every Tuesday and Thursday, and I'll catch you guys next week. Bye.